Father God, we thank you for this time. We worship you. God, we surrender at this time. Surrender our hearts. We pray, O oh Lord God, spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall upon us and give us a perfect heart and a willing mind, O oh Lord God. For the power is there with you, O oh Lord, but let the willingness be found in our hearts, O oh Lord God. That's what we ask for. Thank you, Father. I pray, O oh Lord God, at this time, let not even me be deceived, O oh Lord God, into thinking, O oh Lord God, into assuming, O oh Lord God, that just because I'm speaking, I have come to the point of that the word has become totally practical in my life. No, Lord. Keep each one of us from self-deception. Speak to each one of us, O Lord, and bring us to higher ground today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was just thinking about uh, this thing which we've all, all heard about so many times. Foundation and superstructure, you know. We've heard about the foundations. Pastor Vijay has taught about foundations. Pastor James has taught about foundations over and over again. And uh, just yesterday I was talking to someone on the phone, yesterday or the day before, and I was talking about we got to keep holding on to the foundations though we, are keep, though we keep on building one floor after the other in our faith. So that even though we are growing in Christ, we don't get sidetracked by growth in knowledge and forget what the building is there in the first place for. So we got to hold on to the foundation as well as keep building higher and higher and closer to God. So we don't grow in growing for the sake of growing in Christ because then we lose the purpose of why we are growing in Christ. And before I am condemned for heresy and things like that, let me start using scripture. <laughs> so Second Timothy chapter two twenty one, chapter two verse twenty one. Therefore if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor uh, for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, over there you see the term sanctified. That's what I was talking about. Spiritual growth. Constant spiritual growth. You see that. But along with spiritual growth, along with purification and sanctification, you also have utility. You also have function over there. You know? So we got to have both these things in our life. Yes, we are growing spiritually. Yes, we have, we are getting that doctrine, we are getting that knowledge in GTC. But are we also allowing God to use us? Are we also allowing, whether that's the talent, whether it's the knowledge, all that God has given you spiritually. We have blessed, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Everything that's been given to you, how much of it has been put back into the kingdom? How much of it has been put back into the kingdom? You see, in the world, uh, if there's a, the price of the, any commodity, it can fall for three reasons. First reason being that the demand has gone. I mean, nobody, the value of the commodity, it's not really useful. So the price of that commodity has gone down. The second reason could be that too much stock, you need to get rid of it. Third reason could be it has gone down just for this, your sake because, um, you probably know the guy who's selling it and you have some personal relationship with him and that's why he's giving it to you. Or it could be even for another reason that 
it is that commodity is so important that product is so important that everybody needs to get it and because everybody needs to get it and it cannot be afforded by everyone so the price of that product has been reduced now jesus said freely you have received freely give the kingdom of god has been given free which of the reasons do you think for because of which of the reasons do you think that the kingdom of god has been made available to everyone exactly the fourth reason because we all need it and we cannot afford it but somewhere in our mentality this thing is thing is because we have received it freely that it's somehow cheap we forget the debt which we owe and so we keep on growing spiritually as far as knowledge and all these other things are concerned but we forget about the usefulness and the function now i am not saying this as from a point you know what i have grabbed it and i'm in that place where yeah i'm fulfilling my function no i'm not saying that but i'm saying that so many times we forget the other part of it that yes we are growing spiritually but what is the reason what for what are we growing spiritually i want to look at that in more detail today so over here it says prepared for every good work ephesians 2:10 says that why we were saved in the first place for we are his workmanship created in christ is for good works so there's a purpose for salvation yes we know all these verses so there are these good works for which god prepared beforehand now these are specific good works how do you know which one is yours how do you know if you are doing that good work which was ordained for you which was preordained for you romans chapter 12 verse 4 to 6 for we have for as we have many members in one body but all members do not have the same function so we being many are one body in christ and individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them if prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith and then the gifts different gifts and all that follow so it's talking about every member has different gifts different offices all these things are there but yet it has one overruling purpose so everybody has to be moving in that one direction because we cannot let it hang in the air now how do we know what is that function what is that good work which you were called for which was already kept for you before you were born now the usual answer is that's very simple just ask pastor james <laughs> he will tell me everything this is what i need to do i'm not hearing from god let me go to pastor james okay pastor i'll do that but there will come a point when pastor james will just point you towards jesus like john the baptist and say go to him go to him and there has to come a point where he will tell you you know flesh and blood cannot reveal this thing to you your the perfect will of god for your life flesh and blood cannot reveal it to you nobody else can reveal it to you you need to find that out for yourself you need to find that out for yourself you need to find out what is that good work or am i just assuming that i am already doing that good work you cannot take a risk with this it's about eternity this revelation has to come from the eternal light that lights every man then you will know and receive from him directly you know i mentioned this earlier so those who know please don't answer there was a survey done in a youth group in the uk and they were asked 
what was it that you did not have before accepting Christ that you have now? Think about it. Think about it. Youth. And 80%, 8 out of 10 people answered, they had the same answer. What was it that you did not have before you had Jesus, that you have now? First thing in your mind is probably salvation. That was not their answer. Though it is the correct answer. Holy Spirit, that was not their answer. Though that is the correct answer. So many things. Grace, this, that, everything. But none of that was the answer. 80% of the youth replied, purpose. Purpose. Have you found yours? They didn't say, now I have the Holy Spirit, I have salvation, I'm going to heaven. No, now I have purpose. I have purpose. You know why people are committing suicide and this, that, and they're so confused which job, which job not to join and what? Purpose. Have you found your purpose? Now I'm not picking on anyone, okay? <laughs> so, but have we found our purpose? Have we heard from God? Or are we still going to John the Baptist and what should we do? And there comes a point when he says, He's the Lamb of God. He will baptize you. He will tell you your purpose. He will tell you your purpose. I remember hearing Paul Washer and he was saying that I'm so tired of reading books about people who knew other people who knew God. I want to know God for myself. How long will we keep... And he said, how long are we going to keep reading books? About someone who knew someone who knew God. They had the same Bible. They didn't have any more verses. I remember once, uh, one, uh, after a sermon, one girl asked me that, uh, I always wondered, you know, how you preachers explain the Bible. There's so much depth. I said, you see, the secret is that, uh, my Bible has two more books in it. He said, ah, that's the answer. I said, no, you got it wrong. It's the same thing. Just read it. Just read it. And you know what? That's what God wants to do with us. The people we read about, the missionaries we read about, the testimonies we hear, they all had the same Bible. They all had the same God. Yet they found their purpose. Yet they were used by God. Now we need to get that. We need to get that. We need to get that revelation. We need to fit into God's plan of the ages. Well, we will think it's about doctrine. The book of Proverbs says that correct doctrine is like an ornament. My church, I tell them, please don't feel great if you have the right doctrine. Because I've seen dead bodies being buried with ornaments. If we don't have life, what's the use of right doctrine? If we're not fulfilling purpose, what's the use of an ornament? What's the use of the show? You know, we need to get this right. We need to get this right. I, the, if, just imagine, if there's a Bible class uh, in a Bible college taking place, and he's talking from, the preacher or the teacher is talking from the book of Psalms, the God who dwells between the cherubim. And then one guy stands up over there and says, Oh God, I do not want you to dwell in the midst of the cherubim. I want you to dwell here in my heart. You know what, his doctrine may be wrong, but he's got the right heart. His doctrine may be wrong, but he's got the right. Now, I'm not undermining doctrine, but doctrine is not the end. 
Doctrine is not the end of it. We have not reached the end of it just by having the right doctrine. There's much more to it. There's much more to it. So then we do need some parameters and landing ground. Otherwise we'll call anything to be God's will. And we'll attribute anything that, you know what, um, what to do, I prayed and this is God's will. We need some parameters. We just cannot leave this hanging in the air. We cannot keep it so abstract. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31. Whatever you do, you eat or you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Now, notice he's not mentioning if you preach or if you teach, do it for the glory of God. He's saying whether you eat or you drink, basically, everybody is doing that. That's a common denominator. Different number of meals may be different, <laughs> but everybody is doing it. Everybody is eating and drinking. So that's a common denominator. Now, let's simplify the equation. In maths, if you remember, right hand side should be equal to the left hand side or left hand side should be equal to the right hand side. So how is me drinking this going to be equal to the glory of God? The glory of God, Mount Sinai, all that great majesty, everything, Jesus, the express image of God's glory, all that. How can I equate a gla- drinking a glass of juice to the glory of God? you got to simplify that equation in your own life. Whatever you do, whatever you do, you have to. If you have read A.W. Tozer's ordination prayer, he mentioned his sleep timing in his ordination prayer. Whether you eat or you drink or you sleep, what time you get up at, what time you choose to sleep, everything should be for the glory of God. Everything should be. You don't consider eating and drinking as a small thing. He used it because that's the common denominator. Because if you get that right, if your faith influences your eating and drinking and your sleep timing and your schedule, then you can get the others right too. you got to start from there. you got to start with your daily schedule. You remember Zacchaeus? His faith influenced his decision about his savings, about his work. Now, we let our work influence our faith. It should be the other way around. It should be the other way around. If I'm going to drink this, it's going to... I believe I'm going to drink this so that it will give me the strength to continue preaching. So that I don't end up dry and so that I don't end up with a sore throat. I'm going to sleep on time so I can get up and meditate on the word received from God so that I can give a word to the weary in due season. And thus it will end up for the glory of God. Yes, I am saving. I am saving this for myself so that I can use it at so and so time for the glory of God. Everything, everything. There is no two purposes over here. There is just only one purpose. The first parameter is everything in your life. Can you equate it and say... It's for the glory of God. And simplify that equation for yourself. And if there's something which comes like, no, 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 I'm not being able to use that for the glory of God, then think about it seriously. Think about it seriously. Second thing, Romans 14.23. Just looking at verses which we all know quite well. Again, if he eats, if he doubts and he eats, he's condemned because he does not eat from faith. So if the source of your daily eating, drinking and whatever you do is not out of faith, even that is sin. 
even that is sin. Forget about doing God's will and those big, big things. You know, we think about doing God's will as all these things. I mean, I'll just give you an example. If I was to present a book over here, uh, the man whom God uses, probably 90%, if not 100% of you all will think that that is a book about a missionary, a pastor, a preacher, or a teacher. Right? What about William Wilberforce, a lawyer? What about Nehemiah? What about all these guys? They were not into full-time ministry. They were not preachers and teachers. Yet God used them. Yet God used them and they fulfilled their purpose. They fulfilled their purpose. So that's how we balance the equation. Whatever you are doing, you got to see how is it resulting for the glory of God and how much of faith is there and is it is it coming from my faith is it coming from me hearing god's word and remember faith always works we know faith without works is dead and ironically hebrews chapter 11 talks about works talks about what people did rather than and the emphasis on what people did more than what they just thought or realized or it dawned upon them. It talks about what they did. It talks about what they did. That's where the rubber meets the road. How much of that is there? How much of that is there in our life? How much of doing God's will is there in our lives? How did Jesus do it? Let's learn from Jesus. John chapter 5 verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly assuredly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Chapter 14, verse 10. John. Do not, do you not believe that I, I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. John chapter 12, verse 49. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Over here, clearly Jesus is saying, I am, you all say that I do God's will. You know how I do God's will? I see my Father do the work, I just imitate Him. I just imitate Him. And that ends up being God's will for Jesus. What I see the Father do, that I do. Now, remember, it is different according to Spiritual maturity, gifts, offices, etc. But the same purpose and same direction. For example, if if a father has uh, children of different age group and he's washing his bike and the youngest one comes and he says, I also want to do that and he takes some water and starts splashing it on the bike. He's imitating his father at that level. Little older. He sees his father doing the accounts. Or he sees his father chopping wood. So he says, okay, you know what? I'm going to help him do that. I'm going to carry the wood for him. He's imitating his father. Little more older. He sees his father taking an account of how much wood he's sold and how much profit he's making in his business. He says, you know what? I'm going to do that too. Little older. He knows that his father is in this big lumber industry and all that and he has to meet different people and he's making the calls and he's organizing the meetings. You see, each of his... Sons, daughters, notice the father, what he's doing, 
and according to their capabilities, according to their offices, according to their gifts and according to their strengths, they were just imitating. They were just imitating. That is the secret of doing God's will. So basically, each one of us have to see what the Father is doing. The Father will be doing different things in each one of our lives. We see that, we hear that, and we do exactly the same. And that doing God's will. I'm not a mystic. Let's get down into the nitty-gritty. What is the Father exactly doing today? Do we need a vision? Do we need to see what He's actually doing? Is He a carpenter today? What is He doing today? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 to 22. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God. And the KJV says, by the Spirit. By the Spirit. So what is the Father doing today? He's a builder. He's a builder. And he's building the church. He's building individuals and he's building the corporate church, the body of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Again, that's what the Father is doing. Now, now you know what the Father is doing. He's a builder. And the only project he is doing is he is building his house, he is building each and every temple, every vessel over here, and he is building his body. Now, now you know that, okay, God is doing that. That is actually for the glory of God. That is actually what my faith tells me to do. Now I have to equate drinking, eating, sleeping, working in your office, getting your salaries, coming to church, putting it in the offering, whatever you do. Everything has to be like, okay, am I doing this? Is this going to ultimately result in the building of God's kingdom? In the building of God's kingdom as a whole? Or at least an individual basis? Because if there is any other motive attached apart from this, God's not doing that. You're doing that. You're not imitating the Father. You look at the Bible, God's not doing anything else. He's not building multi-million dollar industries. He's not interested in making your company the best company in the world. He's, he may be using that. He may be blessing you and doing that. But his primary work, whether you may be direct, no, you may be directly involved in it or indirectly involved in it. But let that be your goal. Let that be what your life is about. The building of the body of Christ. Because that's what God is doing. And if you are going to imitate Him, it's it's not like, okay God, this is uh, your project, building the body of Christ. And beside that, like Solomon, I'm going to build my own house also. That's when God says, is it time for you all to dwell in sealed houses, paneled houses, while my house lies a waste? Think about that. Do we have any other agenda in life? Bible says faith is the evidence. 
Faith is the evidence. If you're in, in, you know, a cop and you've heard about a murder happening and all that and you go to the place and you see that the, or the thief or the murderer has run away, you search that place for evidence. That will lead you to the criminal. If someone were to check your schedule, your bank account, your spending details, this, that, everything, would they find evidence there that this person lives for the building of the kingdom of God? Would they find evidence? Or would they find evidence for an other agenda? What would be the evidence leading to in your life? What would be the... Think about it. Have you read the Bible and realized that, okay, you know, God is not actually just doing this. He's doing other kind of work too. No. No. Neither in the Old Testament nor in the New. After giving the Great Commission, Jesus said, and I will be with you. After the people had decided to build the temple of God, the word of the Lord came through Haggai and said that, "From I will be with you. I will be with you. Why? Because now you are doing what God is doing. Not like the Israelites in the time of Samuel who went their own way and said, we will take the ark of God with us. We want to do our work and God, somehow you change your purpose because I want your blessing. No. God, I am going to fit into your purpose. I am going to realize what your perfect will for me is. So now you have the end. It is the building of the kingdom. Whether individual lives or corporately. Whether individual lives or corporately. Nothing else. If ultimately all that we do cannot be simplified to this equation, we messed up somewhere. We messed up somewhere. But don't fear, scripture is here. Colossians chapter 1 verse 29. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. What God is saying is, now if you are going to devote your life, and suddenly you realize, okay, this is God's will, building of his kingdom, and this is gigantic, this is enormous, I cannot handle it. It is beyond my capability. Immediately God says, First, I will work it in you and only then there will be an output. You know, I tried a lot of preaching and ministry and all that without first allowing God to work it in me. And I ended up frustrated, depressed, discouraged preacher. Until I allowed, okay God, let me put put my defense mechanism down, heal me, work in me, help me to be made whole, make me whole, then, then it was no more a burden, then it was no more frustration, then it, that discouragement wasn't there, that depression wasn't there. Why? Because now I was working according to what God had worked in me. Rather than, okay, I see that, now let me go do it. Let God work in you. Now obviously, Whenever we hear, this is a common reaction. Uh, I think it was Isaiah 32 verse 17. Just Can we have that verse? 32 verse 17, Isaiah. 
And the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Now, what is righteousness? My righteous shall, shall walk by faith. Faith comes, hearing of the word and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So, how can you become righteous? And remember, faith without works is dead. So, righteousness, faith plus works, righteous, according to James. Now, Many times you may have noticed in your life, you have this much of revelation at this level and your life is also at that level. Suddenly you come on Sunday, you get more revelation. As long as your life and your revelation matched, you had peace. Now the revelation has gone up, you don't have peace because your life is still there. You know, and now you're full of anxiety and worry. Why? Because this is convicting you which you have received, the light which you have received, the preaching of the word which you have received is convicting you. And now suddenly the peace is gone. And you are thinking, if my life is here and I am feeling so miserable, what will happen? How much more miserable will I become if I actually bring my life to this level? But God says, the work of righteousness shall be peace. Basically, you bring your life up to here, this Righteousness will work peace in your life. At this level we are thinking, no, my peace is gone. My peace is gone. But God says, you know what? Rise up. Rise up. Accord your life to that new revelation which you have received. And the moment you do that, then, then. So it's a good time to examine ourselves. Do we have any other agenda in life for the future? Okay, yeah, we're saving for the family. All that is fine. But ultimately, is it for the glory of God? Ultimately, is it for the glory of God? We want a job. We want a higher salary. We want a bigger... Whatever, whatever. Ultimately, is it coming from faith? Is it coming from hearing the voice of God? Only then we'll be declared righteous. Only then it won't be counted as a dead work. And ultimately, is it going for the glory of God? People see Jesus doing all these great miracles. They come to him and ask him, we want to do this, you know, we, tell us how to do the work of God. Tell us how to do the work of God. Imagine you hear Pastor James speaking, you hear Pastor Vijay speaking, and uh, you come to them and ask them, we want to do this work because we know you're doing the work of God. We want to do this. And then Pastor Vijay tells you, well, for that you need to go to IIT, for that you need to spend some years in Canada, for that you need to uh, build some robots in IIIT. You know, and you will, you will really, ah, yeah, that, that's right. Okay, so roughly I need about, so many years for it. You know? 6, 28 and 29, okay. So, the same thing happened over here. Then they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the work of God? Jesus said to him, this is the work of God that you believe. What if Pastor Vijay says, oh, no, no, just believe. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's the truth. You got to believe. Matthew chapter 9 verse 29, Jesus said, According to your faith, let it be unto you. If he's not worked it in you, how will you ever do it? If he's not worked it in you, if it has not been revealed to you by the Father, if that grace has not been given, how will you ever do it? How will you ever do it? How will you ever be empowered? God's work has to be done by God's power. 
how will you ever do it? Belief. Belief. Moses was, God told him, I'm going to choose you so and so, I'm going to do all this. Nah, they're not going to listen to me. And if that's your response, then God is saying, be it unto you according to your faith. If your faith is this much, be it unto you according to your faith. You won't end up fulfilling the call of God over your life. If your faith is more, then yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. We heard about that word, right? Power, dynamis. It just means ability to do. That's what the word for power is. Ability to do. That's the meaning. And if you read through the book of Acts, I forget the preacher, he said, you know what? God kept leading them. Uh, God kept leading Paul because Paul was always on the move. He was always willing to do. But if we are not willing in the first place, you will not get the ability to do. So if we are willing to do, then God will give the ability to do. But if we are not willing to do, God will not give us the ability to do. We're not going to, if we're going to just keep sitting and doing nothing about it, God's not going to be leading us. Because he does not see that willingness. He does not see that willingness. Now, we all know Newton was a really strong believer in Christ. And I was just thinking about that the other day, his third law. The third law? Yeah, very good. <laughs> Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And uh, think about it spiritually. Think about it spiritually. The Bible says, this is love, that God loved us and gave his son. He is the prime mover. He is the prime, prime actor. Okay? He is the one, he is the first cause. From him comes that action and we receive it at different intensities. That revelation, that experience is different for different people. Now, accordingly, we respond to that. Either in the same intensity, in the same direction towards him. Either in the same intensity, in the other direction. Or we negotiate and become double-minded. Yes, uh, the other, when I was coming in the train, <laughs> there was uh, just in the other... Uh, but over there, there was a group over there, youngsters, and they were talking about Swami Vivekananda and all these things and all, all these different ideologies. And uh, I was just overhearing it. I was on the phone with somebody else, but I was quite attracted to what they were talking about. Not that I was attracted to Swami Vivekananda, but <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't be here. <laughs> and there was this one silent guy, and he said, uh, I heard everything what all of you all said, but I'm not going to change it doesn't, uh, I just like listening, but it doesn't have to affect me. You know, that's a lie. Heraclitus, one uh, philosopher, said that no man enters into the same river twice. No man enters into the same river twice. Because after he has entered, he is not the same man anymore, neither is the river the same river anymore. Even no person listens to the same sermon and goes back unchanged. Either he has raised up intense arguments against it, silently, or he has negotiated and said, okay, 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 let's make a covenant or a treaty over here. Or he says, I agree, I receive, and I'm willing to react, respond in the same direction. There's, 
no passive listener. No passive listener. Everybody at this time is either receiving it, negotiating with God's word, or either raising up argument after argument. Because the force of God's word, to meet the force of it, we are all building up walls. If we are choosing to run in the opposite direction. And walls with the same kind of intensity. Arguments with the same kind of intensity. So let us not believe that we are very passive over here. Nobody is passive. Like I always say, everybody is radical. Nobody is not radical. Everybody is radical because you'll come across some lazy people. They are radical about their laziness. You cannot change them. You cannot change them. You can try anything, but you cannot change them. You cannot change them. Why? Because every time they are building up these arguments in their mind against the word which they are receiving. It's good to be radical. But in which direction? In which direction? It's good to be radical. We are all radical actually. That's why it takes us so much time to change. We are all radical. But where is it taking us? Where is it taking us? That's why God says a double-minded man will receive nothing. No input, no output. Receive nothing. And he'll struggle. He'll struggle. Man of God said, earlier in the Bible people would spend 30 years in the wilderness and then go out preach for 6 months. Now, people go to Bible college for 6 months and preach for 30 years and say they are struggling. Wonder why. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. Final parameter. Faith. We talked about faith. What God works in you. We talked about work. Doing the will of God. That good work. Which ultimately leads to the edification of the body of Christ. And it has to be tempered with love. You see, if love isn't there, God isn't there. Because God is love. If love is not there, if we keep talking about faith and works, but if there's no love in it, love for God and love for people, God's not in it. We can talk about great buildings, we can talk about what we did for God and all those things, but if there was no love for God in there, if there was no love for believers, uh, for one another in there, God was not in it, no matter what we did, no matter what we did. Luke chapter 17, verse 4 and 5. And this is Jesus speaking. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to you and says, I repent, you will, f- then you should forgive him. And apostles said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. Now I'll ask you, is forgiveness connected to faith or is forgiveness connected to love? It's connected to love. Your faith has to increase a point that it manifests itself through love. Otherwise, it will be like an ornament, good doctrine and all those things. Our faith has to increase to a point where it manifests itself through love. Through love. He who realizes that he has been forgiven much, 70 times 7, loves much. And he who loves much, forgives much. 
He who is forgiven much, loves much. And he who loves much, forgives much. Love covers a multitude of sins. Freely you have received, freely give. Love never fails. Love is stronger than than death. Love breaks bondages. Love goes the second mile. You know, as prodigal sons, when we are far from the father's love, the Bible says that if we love the world, the love of the father is not in us. Basically, our concept of God, of the love of the father is so convoluted at that time. When we are in this faraway country, I was talking to a good friend of mine, so I get so many, I mean, so sad what happens so many times when people backslide. And I was talking to this girl and she was saying that I messed up, everything's going bad and I cannot come back to God. I'm, I'm in a mess. And I will never be received by God. I will never be received by the body. It, it's, it's, I'm, I'm beyond that point of return. And I said, do you know what happens when you go to the faraway land? When you become the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter and you go to the faraway country? Your concept of God's love becomes so convoluted that you start thinking, I just wish God will take me as a servant. I just hope he has that much mercy left for me. I just hope I can get a spoonful of mercy. That's that's all. It's beyond me. I just hope I can get that much. Our concept of God is all messed up. The love of the Father has been thrown out. We got a wrong understanding of God's love and character and mercy. I just hope he takes me as a servant. I will work for him. You know, the day I accepted Christ, I... I didn't pray the normal sinner's prayer. My prayer was, again, totally wrong. It was like, God, I made a mess of my life. I don't want to continue this way. Please come in and change my life. I will be your servant for the rest of my life. After that, send me to hell. (laughs) Sounds like the prodigal son, right? (laughs) I'll be your servant, but I'll never be in your family. Because I'm not worthy. Because I deserve hell. I'm not asking for forgiveness. I'm just saying, let me be your servant. That's all. That's all. Later I got to know heaven is included in the package. Forgiveness is included in the package. But when we are in that faraway land, our understanding of God's love is so messed up. How can you expect to love others when you are actually going to God and receiving a pinch, just a pinch of his love. You're going with a spoon and saying, can you please just fill this up? That's all I want. Please, I'm not worthy, but can you just fill this up? And so we go with our spoons, asking for God's mercy. And the father says, get that truck load over here. You know, the love of the father is so extravagant, it, it, I don't know what, a man used the term, it's crazy. It, it's, it breaks our assumptions. It, it just breaks it. It shatters it. In Narnia, when the little girl is going, I think it was the beaver or some crazy animal, and us, uh, the beaver, fascinated by Aslan the lion, hearing about Aslan the lion and says, uh, is he safe? The beaver immediately replies, no, he's not safe. And she's kind of discouraged. Then he replies, but he's good. He's good. 
His love is not safe. His love is not safe, but he is good. He is good. His love is not safe, but he is good. He will go, he will do things. He will love you in a way which you did not expect. You expected to be taken in as a servant. He will take you in as a son. And as a son, he will discipline you. (laughs) But his love is extravagant. You will get royal treatment of a son. You came in saying, please just fill this one spoon. That's all I want. And God says, no, clothe this guy. He's my son. He's my son. If we are still receiving just a pinch, just a spoonful of his love, how can we ever love others? You know why we struggle to love? Because our concept of God's love is wrong. Because we have put him in a box and say, this much, this much, this much. And if he does something beyond this, I cannot count it as love. Peter cut off that guy's ear. Jesus said, shall I not drink of the cup the Father has given me? Later, Peter remembers that and says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Jesus saw the hand of God. Jesus saw his Father right in the process of crucifixion and betrayal that his Father was giving it to him. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. You will see God in all your circumstances. You will see the hand of God. You will see the cup of God coming towards you in all your circumstances. If your heart is pure, if my heart is pure, we will we'll not blame the husband, the wife, the, the people around us. We will see it as God's hand coming towards us. We will see it as drinking from God's hand. Then the complaining goes out. Then the murmur goes out. Then we receive it joyfully. Then we receive it joyfully. Remember that, I think it's Deuteronomy 28, 27, where God says, because you did not serve me with joy in the land that I gave you. Deuteronomy 28, verse 27. Uh, Okay, it's probably 37 or 47. Sorry, which was 47. Yeah, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If God has not worked it in you and you're still trying to serve Him, it's not going to work. Then the next verse says you will go and serve the enemy. And isn't that what happens? Because the prodigal son did not allow the love of the father to work in him, He was serving even the elder son. It was drudgery. And then finally, he went out and served the enemy. He went out and served the enemy. How do we finish the work? How do we finish the work? This has always been a scare for me. And it should be. The highest dropout rate is in the ministry. Salvation by statistics survey. They say that, and this person really did it. 
he heard that you know highest dropout rate is in ministry these are the statistics so many people not only leave ministry they leave god at the end of so many years who were in full time ministry and this guy said no no it's not possible so you know what he did while he was listening to it he took his bible and wrote down just by memory names of 67 young guys who joined full time ministry in their 20s 67 young guys just remembered by name uh, by memory who joined full time ministry in their 20s now in their 20s means they are fresh they don't have so many strongholds they don't have so many habits they don't have all of that they're not coming with all of that they're totally dedicated they're zealous they're on fire they're all of that 20 30 years down the line he looked at that page again only 11 were still in ministry the rest had left god some stopped coming to church 11 out of 67 of guys who joined full time ministry in their 20s you think we can take it casually no 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 god was not uh, i mean uh, they were not with god uh, but god is with us let's not assume presume let's be careful how can I, i i always struggle with this i always like god how 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 can i know that i'll be there till the end god gave me matthew chapter 9 verse 37 38 then he said unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few pray that the lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest now work of faith and labor of love god did not say pray that he will send workers secret is love the secret is love we need that only then we will be able to really labor in his vineyard in our own separate ways without that love it'll be just like the what the book of james says somebody comes to you there is a need and even today there are plenty of needs in the body of christ even today there is plenty of need in the church but it doesn't af- seem to affect us because our needs and our wants are being met that just shows that our agenda our motive is not actually the edification of the body of christ because if it was we would know where the lack is we would know where the need is because we don't because that is not our agenda we really don't care if there is a need or there is no need but if we really love if we really love that's what the book of james says show me your faith with works show me that love james says james james says where's that love where's that love because if that love is there we will not send away that broken vessel as a broken vessel no we won't do that we will not let those needs be unheard we will not let those cries be unheard just like god told moses i have heard their cries i know their sufferings why because god is interested in israel are we interested in israel or do we only hear about our needs and as long as our needs are met then we think it's fine i have done the will of god i have glorified god but it's all in the air it's also abstract 
But is there evidence in our life that yes, we have simplified the equation and we are doing it in our lives? When God says, I want laborers in the vineyard, He's basically saying, I want people full of love because love alone labors. Faith will work, but love will labor. Love will labor. Love will labor. Paul Washer said, you know what, you're young, you're zealous, you read the Puritans, all that is great. But it's going to take, but when you go to the mission field with your little pulpit, your makeshift pulpit, and you go and you preach over there, and they pick up your pulpit and throw it outside, it's going to take more than just a romantic love for missions to pick up your pulpit, go back in there and start preaching to them. It's going to take more than just an imaginary love for doctrine, more than an imaginary love for spiritual growth. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take a love which will labor. It's going to take a love which will labor. So now I do not want you all to examine yourself with just what doctrine you subscribe yourselves to. But how much of laboring in love is there? And yet remember, Paul said, I labored more than all of them, yet it was not me, but the grace of God working in me. So do not think that God is asking you to labor without first working that in you. And once He has worked that in you, you can labor joyfully. You can labor joyfully. The apostles came back singing, rejoicing, glorifying God. Glorifying God. And the fruit of your righteous labor will definitely be peace. And in the Hindi it says, Nishchint, no worries. No worries. You will not worry about how you are going to die, how provision is going to come. You will not worry. You will not worry. You will not worry, where am I going to get the strength for it? You will not worry, what will happen to my marks or my rank or whatever? What will happen to my salary? You will not worry. Because love labors. Love labors. You know, the final commandment of Jesus Christ was love one another. Not preach to one another. It was not teach one another. And I feel sad because so many times I've seen in my own life I've majored on things which are not really meant to be the hub of the wheel. They were just a spoke. They were just an ornament. But I just majored on that. God says, what about love one another as I have loved you? What about walking the second mile? What about greeting those who do not greet you? No, we love, we, we, we will say we love the pastor, we love the elders. Great, Jesus would say. Even they love you. What great thing have we accomplished? By loving people who love us. Right? That's what goes in our mind, right? I love pastor. I love El Santi. So, I labor for them. Jesus said, Even the publicans and tax collectors love those who love them. It's got to be the second mile. The life of Joseph has to come. Because Joseph's branches would go over the wall. Over his household. It has to be beyond. It has to be the household of God. It has to be the weakest. It has to be those who are broken. It has to be those those breaches. Those people's, their houses are broken, their vessels are broken. Are we laboring there? 
or are we okay that's not my wall i don't care if the enemy comes in from there that's not my wall my wall is fine and my loved ones their wall is fine no 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 is there labor is there that love that love that love that love like pastor says you can give without loving but you can never love without giving when love burns love burns you will automatically go you will automatically do you will automatically it will burn in you it will burn in you you will be uncomfortable you will be uncomfortable you read about the missionaries you read about their dreams it was love it was love that uprooted them and they went now i'm not saying we all need to go but it will be love that will make us build the body of christ that will make us labor in souls inside the body of christ first and then also outside definitely outside also is that love there or are we just focused on my spiritual growth Gideon I have not chosen you to deliver yourself I chose you to deliver Israel But Gideon if you don't love Israel you will use Israel for yourself Do we love the Israel of God Do we love the vineyard of God Do we love man of god prayed and asked god and he just gave an illustration said if god would lay out all his gifts in front of me and said you know what son choose whichever you want choose whichever ministry you want he said i would choose the ministry of prayer that hidden ministry and i would labor i would labor labor there's no use of having a great reservoir full of water while people around us are dying thirsty john piper says that retirement has become a curse retirement has become a curse america is putting in all the money to see people healthy people play bridge and watch baseball games rather than going out and using their medical knowledge this that and everything for god and i met people with great medical knowledge this that who thinking contemplating retirement at the age of 40 and i said what about those villages where they still believe you know what if you're sick or you have a wound just spit on it and you'll be healed what about them and you want to retire just because you earned enough money and then suddenly it dawned on them you're right i'll come i'll go i'll go to those villages is there anything wrong with retirement no but what is the purpose of retirement if it is not for the glory of god if it's not for the edification of his body now we know that the father is doing only one thing building his body building his body building each vessel are we willing now god you've given me enough i've been blessed 
Francis Chan makes his church stand up and say, I have all that I need. I have all that I need. And yet we want more and more and more. But the book of Peter says, for godliness and for life, we have all that we need. You know, in the churches over there, in Francis Chan, what he did was, he asked, okay, who all are struggling with lust? Raise your hands. And then few people raised their hands. Okay, who all are struggling with greed? And everyone said, that's me. As if greed is, is not a sin anymore. As if greed is not a sin anymore. But that reflects our pride in all these side projects of ours, apart from the glory of God. Pursuing things, materialism, all these things. And God says, you know what, use it. Use it. But don't let those things use you. I was telling my friend, don't let your company use you. You use the company. Not that he's the boss of the company, but still, you use the company for the glory of God. You use the time you spend over there for the glory of God. You use what you gain from there for the building of God's body. You use them. Don't let them use you. That's why, you know, our, the reason why uh, our, all our complaints and so many things, like, uh, this is not working, that's not... Imagine a company, I think Pastor already gave this illustration once, um, the primary purpose of that company is to make shirts. And then this, at, then at the end of the year they see, well, shirts are made, but guess what? Our phones are not working, our internet lines are not good, and uh, there's a sewage flowing right in front of the company. And the boss is very upset and many people are upset. And then suddenly it dawns on them, but the purpose for which this company was started is being met. It was to make shirts, and we are making shirts, and we are getting a profit out of it. You see, if we fulfill God's call, if we build the church of Christ in our own uh, preordained way, if that is being met, then even if the other things are not being met, we won't complain because our main purpose in life is being met. But because that is not our primary purpose, we have other purposes. That's why. What is that purpose? Romans 8.29 says that... uh, Everything works together for good of, uh, for those who are called according to his, who love God, called according to his purpose. After that, you're predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. So that's the target. Jesus is the target. And we have to keep hitting that. We have to keep nailing that target. And as long as that target is nailed, no complaints. But if our target is somewhere there, if our target is somewhere there, we are not going to get peace from that. No, we are not going to get peace, even if we are meeting those targets. Even if we are meeting all our other agendas. Because that target is not being hit, we are not going to have peace. We are not going to have peace. That's why the whole world has been subject to vanity. Any other purpose you have in life is chasing after the wind. Try it. It's going to be chasing after the wind. It's going to be chasing after the wind. Let us align God's purpose and say, that's our purpose, God. That's our purpose. Okay, if the other purposes, if the other, if 
The provision is not met. This is not met. That is not met. Okay, people are upset with me. People are mocking me. But as long as that purpose is met, as long as I am being conformed to the image of Christ, why should I grumble? Why should I grumble? Ravan Hill said, I've been given the Holy Spirit. I've been given the Word of God. I've been given angels. I've been given the comfort of the scriptures. Do you think I'm going to sit and cry now? Do we even know what we have? Do we even know what we have? Let us allow this to work in us. All the word which we've received over the years. Let us allow it to work in us and say, there's a purpose for this. There is a definite purpose for this. Otherwise, the reservoir will just be overflowing and just, we'll just be filling it, filling it, filling it, filling it and people around will be thirsty. No, we need to make channels. We need to make channels. The temple of God was built first and then Nehemiah said, now we need the walls also. Now we need the walls also. The reservoir and the channels. The reservoir and the channels. I believe there is plenty of faith here in this room. Plenty. 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 But how much of that faith and that grace and the gifts and the talents is hitting the target? How much of it is hitting the target? How much of it is going bullseye? It's been... It's got to be... And I'm also in the same boat and it's got to be the same pursuit even in my life. God, am I missing? Am I missing it? We may start on the narrow way and then suddenly go on a different tangent. And suddenly it becomes about our honor. Even it can be in ministry. Our honor, our name, our kingdom come. And it's scary. It's scary. That only 11 out of 67 make it. So let's get the coordinates right. Let's get the coordinates right. And let's ask God for love. Because once love burns in our heart, we will not sit. We will not sit. We will do what God has called us to do. We will change everything. We will change everything. I request Pastor James to come and close in prayer. You know, there's a starting point where uh, in that scripture we were struggling with to find it in John 6 where the disciples come. Finding God's work is your purpose. But they all wanted to do God's work. And uh, they said, uh, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said, you cannot do any of that. There is a starting point. This is the starting point. You have to believe on him. That's where you start. First, you have to believe in the work of God before you can do the works of God. Okay, that's the starting point. This anybody here who hasn't started, don't try to do the works of God. It is not possible. This is a real story as a close. This lady was a strong, committed believer, went to a, a regular beautician. And she was sitting in the chair and the beautician, who doesn't believe, was going on and on and on and on about the fact, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. And she asked her, why? She said, I don't believe in the God. She said, take a look at the world. Look at the suffering, the sickness, the children, 
all the mess that is happening where is this god there is no god if there is a god then these things shouldn't be happening she didn't want to offend her so she didn't say anything because how do you argue you know about things like that so she finished she paid and when she came out outside she saw a lady who looked absolutely dirty messed up hair all in a mess everything she looked at her and uh, god spoke to her she went back right inside and she told the lady i don't believe in beauticians and she said what do you mean you don't believe in beauticians she said come here look at this lady look at these people over there i don't believe in beauticians and the lady said but the problem is they don't come to me and she said that's exactly the problem we don't go to god why is there suffering in the world because people don't go to god why are there all these issues in life because we don't go to god we don't go to him anyone who comes to me jesus said i will no way cast away no way no way cast that's where it begins okay for believers work of god begins after this it's not good works so the works of good you know all good works are not good works but every work of god is good that's where it begins and that's where you find purpose that's what defines our life because we have found purpose purpose we have found is the very life of christ amen shall we pray father this evening we just thank you lord for your word that has come from a fresh young voice it's the same voice god who called us all at different points in our life a god who calls and says come to me a god who doesn't call us to work first he says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden i will give you rest that's the first call of god to go to you that we might have rest from our burdens from the burden of sin the weight of guilt all that we carry inside the first call of father is to that and then the work begins then you say take my yoke upon yourself for my yoke is light it's light it's not heavy it's not burdensome then the work of god begins in our life and we start doing the works of god together with him as paul would say co laborers with christ not alone this evening father i pray your children here those who still haven't found purpose would start seeking the second part lord that they might find rest as they find purpose they might have found rest from sin from the guilt of sin but i pray father now they might find rest as they find purpose your purpose in our lives you brought us here safely and by faith we believe you will take us back home safely and reach us home safely and you would give us rest in our homes thank you father thank you once again as a church we commit eric into thy hands
be with this young man lord as he goes travels into the mission fields through the villages all those remote areas protect him and keep him and i pray father he heard the example of 56 who fell away and i pray this young man who has begun early would stand there firm till the very end lord and all of us that we would finish our race not just start finish lord thank you father thank you in jesus name we pray amen